Welcome to the Smart HVAC Marketing Podcast, an award-winning show dedicated to helping contractors generate more revenue, employ more people, and serve more customers. Powered by Rival Digital. Tune in each week to learn how other business owners and industry professionals across the country are staying ahead of the curve in an ever-changing business landscape. So, are you ready to dominate your marketing, get a grip on your operations, and build the business you've always dreamed of? Join your host, Eric Thomas, and get a fresh perspective on what it takes to create a world-class contracting business. The best idea wins. Now, here's Eric Thomas. What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Smart HVAC Marketing Podcast, where we believe the best idea wins, and we are here to help you generate lots of good ideas like your brand message, your marketing message, all that stuff. And today, got on someone who I think is incredibly smart, Mr. Josh Kelly from Clover. Um, He's been on the podcast before, so if you haven't listened to that episode, I'd recommend you going back and checking it out. It was actually one of our highest downloaded episodes ever. I think it's top five at least. Um, got a ton of traction less than this is only the sixth episode, though, so that's not really saying that much, you know. That's true, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, out of six episodes, his was the fifth, yeah, perfect. (laughs) That's the top five, you know, details, details, that's right, Uh, yeah. Super excited to have you back, Josh. How you doing? Good, man, good, glad to be here and excited to chat with you. And I always enjoy talking with you, man, so it's it's a win win all the way around. Yeah, no, I'm super excited. Um, you know, what we were talking about actually right before we hit record was how it's January 16th. It's that uh, it's been past that time of year where you should probably be planning and coming up with strategies and doing all that stuff, kind of laying down the, the roadmap for your year. But there are still some contractors who were, you know, maybe they took a vacation or they were wrapping stuff up a little bit later than they wanted to. And they're, they're starting to kind of figure things out now. Um, and I, I wanted to kind of hit on was just messaging, marketing, like your message that you put out into the world for your company. Because in the HVAC industry, we see so many people with the exact same message. Mm-hmm. Total home comfort. Sometimes and, the same uh, names and their websites look the same and their emails look the same. And their radio spots sound the same. And it's like, you know, it, I don't know why this is, but like our industry doesn't learn from other industries well, uh, comparatively. Like, in no world, like, you would never see a Geico run almost the exact same ad with a green screen with a truck pulling up and talking about great service uh, as Allstate. Like, you have to be different. You have to stick out. But (laughs) for some reason, we don't do that. It's like, well, if it worked for them, then then it must work for us. It's like – do you know it worked for them, by the way? Like, there's a good chance it didn't, right? An equal chance yeah. that it didn't, didn't. You make an assumption that, hey, they've been doing it for a while. That's working really well. And that's not usually the case. Um, and then, uh, yeah, messaging is is easy, but everyone seems to skip over it. Yeah. Well, it's like, it's like you said. I mean, it's so many people doing the same thing. Um, so, I mean, let, let, you've got a very impressive resume I'd say you got a little street cred uh, by now. Um, that was me attempting to be cool. If you're listening to this right now and you guys are like, Eric, street cred, ne- yeah. never yeah. say street cred again. That was not cool. I'd say that Josh has got some street cred in the industry. 
um, in particular on the marketing side. So I want you to go ahead and just briefly, you know, fill our customers, our customers, well, wow, our listeners in on, you know, your background uh, at Parker and Sons yeah. and kind of some of the stuff you did there before we dig in. Yeah. So uh, a lot of people know me from Parker and Sons. It's my family's business. I ran the marketing and the operate, eventually operations. Um, it's the largest HVAC plumbing company in the United States. We did 240 million just in Phoenix last year. Um, most profitable, largest, fastest growing company in the United States. Um, then beyond Parker, I've helped companies. If you're taking top 50 companies in the United States, size-wise, I've worked with, uh, you know, over half of them at this point. Um, the Dave Geigers. Uh, I was just over at Tom Boy's shop at Airco. Um, the uh, Kevin and Service Champions, the Wrench Group, the Apexes of the world. Like, um, you know, I'm the guy... I'm the big hired gun for companies that really want to grow. And, and I do work with some of the premier top echelon companies, but I work with a bunch of smaller companies too. And right now I own companies all over the United States too, um, growing sub companies from, you know, five to, you know, 25 and uh, uh, sub companies, you know, moving them from two to 15 or 22. So uh, I've helped a lot of companies at this point and visited a lot of shops and, and, and done a lot of business in this industry. Yeah. That's awesome. I don't know if that was helpful. So, I know one ever likes that, talking about themselves, man. Well, you know, I said you had street cred, and so I just I needed we needed the validation. Cred, yeah. And I got the yeah. tattoos with all the company names. I got yeah. tiered. No, I don't have any of that. No. <laughs> Absolutely not. No, so well, yeah. I mean, let's just dig in because a lot of our listeners um, they they range in size of of company size and. Yeah. Um, you know, the goal of this podcast is always just to try to chat about marketing ideas, kind of help people generate some good ideas. Um, and so when you're talking about, you know, your, your more premier top level companies and then some of your smaller companies and, and everything in between, what's some of like the underlying trends you see between the ones that get it and the ones that just don't? I mean, this is kind of an outside the marketing conversation because um, I learned a long time ago, and this is not like an insult. It's just the honest truth. Like, you don't have to be that smart. You don't have to be that good a business person to make a lot of money in this industry. In general, you have to do one or one or two things really well. And those one or two things aren't universal. Like you can be really amazing at sales, or you could be really great at customer service. You could be really good at reporting and tracking. You could be really good at marketing. And like if any if you have any of those things, you have a $10 million business, right? And you're making 15% if you know what you're doing even slightly, right? Um, so I found the, the biggest difference from companies that are really driving well and having a lot of success, it's not those individual things like, yes, a ton of them have sales cultures. Some of them don't, they have totally marketing cultures, right? Some of them have customer experience culture. That, that you want to be good at all those things, but the truth is most companies are right. And you can be really yeah. large without hitting all those things, but the ones that consistently do well are the ones that are really good at reporting and tracking. Like they know their numbers, they know their backend. For talking about that marketing company, they know what their cost per acquisition is. Not their cost per call, because that's a bullshit number, but the cost per acquisition. How much did it cost to get me someone in the door that we actually did business with, right? How much did it cost me? They know the whole thing up and down and they drive off that. That sales guy, same thing, right? It's the ones that report and track really effectively and pull levers based off that, like, Hey, I need calls. What am I going to do? Get calls. I've got levers in my back pocket, ready to go. Those are the ones 
that tend to be the bigger companies, right? Those are the ones that are 25, 50, 100. Uh, even $10 million ones that are growing, they're that way. You know, if you're stuck at $4 million, which like a lot of people are, most of the time it's because you don't have management team in place and you don't have the tracking and the reporting in there to make them successful. Like that biggest, the biggest gap I think they have is like moving from that 1 million to the 5 million. And it's not because it's complicated. It's actually really simple. Like 1 million to 5 million is, is just a few tasks. It's not a lot. Like it's pretty simple, but it's the first time you have to trust someone outside yourself. And if you don't have the reporting on the back end, it is really hard to just let them go out there and, you know, we'll see what happens afterwards, right? Which is just not a good way to run a business. So the reporting and tracking is probably the most consistent thing with the biggest, most successful contractors or the contractors that are just growing like crazy. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, I certainly agree. And I, I definitely agree on the, the cost per acquisition part because that, yeah. you know, that can, if you know, it's going to cost me 320 bucks to get a new customer and you need 500 new customers well, at that point, you're just playing with a calculator to see how much money you need to spend and what levers you need to pull and what's worked and what's not worked. Yeah, 100%. Now, I would say a $320 cost per acquisition, there better be installs. If they're installs, yeah. okay. If they're $79 tune-ups, oh, <laughs> right? Um, yeah. Well, but yeah, I mean, when, like when you start tracking that and you really dive into it, you realize how cheap it is to attack your customer base, right? It's like, oh, those are fifteen dollars. A brand new customer is a hundred, right? Yeah. Like, why don't we get more fifteen dollars ones? <laughs> yeah, and then we exactly. Just start scaling and like, well, which one's working better, this or this? It's not that we have to choose between them, but we have to constantly be tweaking and driving it. Yeah. Okay. And so, talking. This is a perfect segue here. Your cost per acquisition. Yeah. You know, there's there's a lot of different ways you can lower that, but. What comes to mind for me immediately is if you increase your conversion rate through your marketing efforts, naturally, you'll be able to drive some other costs down. And so we're talking about messaging here, you know, like you go search AC repair near me. You're going to go see, you're going to see three Google ads at the top that all say AC repair, Virginia beach. Give us a call. Yeah. 24 seven emergency service. Yeah. We do um, great service. Yeah. Satisfaction guaranteed. Doesn't everybody, right? Like that's a it's a platitude that means not it's like world's best cup of coffee. You know what I mean? Like yeah. there's no value to that anymore, right? Like yeah. everyone knows that's bullshit. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So yeah, I mean messaging is incredible. I would say the especially on the marketing side, the most underutilized piece of it is the conversion, right? Yeah. Everyone seems to pay, like if you're doing digital marketing as an example, you're running a PPC campaign. You'd be surprised how many uh, contractors know, you know, you know, impression share, which by the way is a bullshit number, is totally irrelevant. Uh, but they know what their cost per click is, and, and they never track. They're like, I got to drive down the cost per click. I'm like, not necessarily. If it converts better, that's more important to me, right? It's yeah. the cost per acquisition they care about, but conversion is super underutilized and paid attention to, right? And they're not driven, a lot of times they're driven by like a marketing partner and they should be for the most part, mm -hmm. right? But you also should have a strong influence on your cost per acquisition and your conversion. And what people mistake is they try to be like that one size fits all and never tell a story and never get into who their customer base is. And if you're generic, you're just never going to do that well. Like you have to speak to someone specifically. 
yeah. right? You have to create a persona. You have to create a USP, your unique selling pop, uh, proposition. Like, why would they choose you over everyone? And if your USP is like, it's because we get the best prices. Bullshit. Yeah. Right? That doesn't relate to everyone, right? Like, you have to segment the people in your area. And it could be a large chunk, but it can't be everyone. Yeah. Right. And if you build your website and your radio ads and your emails to try attack everyone, what you'll end up being is, you know, nothing, nothing to everyone. Yeah. So you really need to dive into what makes you unique. What's your company personality? Uh, what's an offer that actually drives not that generic BS offer that everyone else talks about and really tell a story and be memorable. Uh, even on a web page, like, they land on your web page and you have that generic SEO page, right? Your conversions won't be there. Yeah. And a person that comes to the website that doesn't do business with me really has no value to me. And I know that's harsh, but like, it's just, it, they didn't do anything. And maybe they'll do something down the road, but like, probably not. <laughs> so, yeah. so conversion is so important and like landing on that page and seeing your personality and, and getting that social hook and that culture hook of like they know who you are, they know what you're about, and they like that, that's how you get conversion. Yeah, absolutely. So so what are some ways that, you know, just the average listener out there could go about finding whatever their USP is, their unique selling proposition? Like what how do you go about even finding that? So it's not an easy conversation. Like, and I've done this a lot. Like I, I can't tell you how many like USPs I've made for people in the industry where it's like, just get Josh Kelly on the phone and I'm going to ask 500 questions and we're just going to spitball something until we come up with it. But not everybody has access to me and I, I realize that. So number one, you can always get an expert in um, to kind of help you with it. But the truth is it, it starts with a persona. So um, like I use the HubSpot persona tool. It's a totally free tool. Just look up HubSpot persona builder or something to that effect. And what, what you're going to do is you're going to pick like three actual physical customers uh, and you're going to define what that customer looks like based off your knowledge. Right. Um, and try to decide who is my ideal customer so I could speak more effectively to them. Right. What does that customer look like? What, is they, what do they want? Uh, another good exercise of this, too. There's all kinds of list companies out there and they do direct mail or whatever. Right. Um, they can pull your current customer list and actually tell you who you're already doing business with. And you may decide to lean into that and you may decide, well, oh, shit, uh, I'm going after the wrong kind of people. Right. Um, so first thing first is you got to have to discover who you're going to go after. Yeah. Now, once you decide who you're going to go after, then you have to build a USP, right, a unique selling proposition. And basically, like, why would they choose you? And if you can't explain why a customer would choose you within a minute without saying something that everyone else would say. Where, where we have a problem because it's going to be hard to drive conversions. Just this, not just on your website, but on your, on the phone, in person, having a personality to the business is a huge differentiator, right? And that could be the family company. That could be the aggressive guy from New York. That could be, there's all kinds of different USBs and each area is going to have yeah. different hits, right? What's going to be valuable to them, but you need to start with that persona and like, would this resonate with this person? And are there enough of these people for me to have a whatever size of business I want, whether it's 10 million or 25 million or 100 million or 240 million? Yeah. 
No, exactly. And so, like, I, I think it's so important to understand what they look like, what they enjoy, you know, what their family looks like, so that you, you do. can speak. Yeah, you, you do that like directly you, to them. One hundred percent. You do that, and it's. I think it's creepy. Like to be probably honest, like, but you give a someone your customer list, right? And, and you guys signed an NDA. Like, make sure you're covered, right? Um, or they have to sign an NDA. Uh, and make sure it's well protected. But like they can tell you way more details than you think. Like not just the average age of your customer, which is valuable to know, not the average income, just the average income, which is valuable to know, but like what's their religion, what's their sexual orientation, uh, what areas of town do they live in, what magazines do they like, what radio stations do they listen to, what TV stations do they watch. Um, like they can get like super, super creepy. Like uh what size family do they come from? How big a size of family do they want? Like just to the unbelievable creepy detail. Um, and some of that's way more than you need. Right. But some yeah. of it's like really valuable to know too. Like if you knew the type of customer that we do the most business with, and that was our ideal customer, those align. And I knew which radio stations they listen to the most. Would that be valuable for me for marketing? Hell yes, it would. Of course it would. Right. Uh, now religion and stuff. No, you could go after that too. Some businesses are super religious. That's part of their culture. Um, and you can lean into that too, but like knowing and making a decision based off data is way more effective than doing it on a whim. Yeah, absolutely. Because then at that point you're, you're not being the guy for everyone, which really you're being the person for no one. Yeah. Yeah. But if you, if you're, if you're the person for three different types of people, and that makes up 33% of your demographic, then you're going to make way more money than if you try to be everyone for the whole town and you only hit 0.1% of them. Right. Right. Yeah. And it's like, I, I think it's important too. Like, so when we talk about USP, it's a unique selling proposition. You can't say things like we do great work. Everyone does. Right. We have competitive pricing. Everyone says that. Right. What's unique about you? Are you minority owned? Are you female owned? Um, are you a family driven business? Um, I mean, there's so many USBs, like there's hundreds, right? But really you got to keep in mind, they break down the three basic categories. So there's three things in our industry that historically have worked without fail. Um, and those things are quality, right? Which is, you know, a family based business is really a quality play, right? Um, yeah. their speed of service. And there's the last one, which I hope no one wants to play, but that's being in the low price layer. It's a cost base, right? And that's a race to the bottom. So most people really play with speed of service or uh, quality, but there's a thousand ways you say quality. And there's a thousand ways you say speed of service, right? So you have to come with that in mind, hit that persona. And then on top of that, add a personality to your business. Like I know companies that do like uh, personality diamonds, which is like a Hollywood thing where like you describe a character, like what's their background, what's their story, like what do they feel like before you give the script to a, an actor, right? So they understand where that person's coming from. You do the exact same thing with your business. Where it's like, here's, if my business was a person, what would they be like? And what would I want them to be like? Um, and once again, you can't be something for everyone, right? And when you start putting that personality and you combine that with a USP, that's when your marketing actually grows legs and you really get to tell a story. You really get to impact and be memorable. Yeah, no, absolutely. And like, like you were talking about like the different ways that you can say quality, 
It's not just satisfaction guaranteed. In fact, you can't say that because everyone says that. Everyone says that, but like, you know, I was reading um, a book that you're probably familiar with uh, that was written by someone in your family. (laughs) I um, I might be familiar with it. There's a chance. Yeah. yeah. And um, he had mentioned something in there about like something so crazy like – I can't remember the exact verbiage, but it was like, we'll get the job done right or we'll eat a bug or like just something that's like, it's, it's, they're saying we're going to get it done right. It's going to be good, but then it's, it's not just like uh satisfaction guaranteed high quality. It's like, no, we're going to get it right. Or, or I'll eat my hat is what's in the book. And there was a company yeah. who did that. And literally every time a mistake was made, he would send that customer a video of him eating a hat and that shit was amazing marketing yeah yeah it, it so, yeah so stupid but it's, it's, so powerful because it's different and by the way does that give that business a personality absolutely it's fun funny like you don't take yourself seriously which resonates with a lot of people yeah like imagine if you're imagine if your customer persona is a 42 year old that it like is obsessed with the nfl you, we already know that from you know monday night uh Thursday night and all day Sunday, he's probably sitting around enjoying some beer, watching football. Now, like what if yours was like, you know, we'll get it done right. Or we'll something crazy in the, along the lines of like, we'll pad up and let the local college football team drill me. Probably don't do that one. (laughs) (laughs) But, but so like, you're going kind of the same thought process as the eating that, and there's nothing wrong with that, right? But like what I would say is if I knew my customers were super NFL fans and I was putting together a website or a radio ad or television ad, like I would have whistles in there and I would use like the – I would tell stories about how a, a tune-up is – and I'm making this off the fly, so it's not going to be great, but like a, a tune-up is like having a, a playbook, right, or putting together a practice, right? Uh, how many teams do you know well, work well without a playbook, right? It's the basis of making sure everything works well. You need yeah. to make sure. It's like – it's a better example. is like without doing a tune-up, it's like running a football team without an offensive line. Like yeah. how is that going to work? It's not going to work long-term. It can work for a short period, but eventually that's yeah. going to break because your quarterback's going to be wore down and be torn apart. Your AC system's the exact same way, yeah. right? And that's a better example than what I just gave, right? But like yeah. you can build a story around that because you know what they like and what they care about. And I would use like their super football fans. I would try to use a local football uh, uh, announcer or one of the players. Players are not as good, but an announcer where they actually care what they think about. So like one of the sports broadcasters is my voice. Um, like there's all kinds of stuff you could dig into that. And that makes you unique compared to everyone else because you're, you're doing it differently. Um, and people that really care about football will resonate better with you. And as long as your offering makes sense, they're more likely to do business with you. Yeah, exactly. And so like, and, and, and let's not get any business owner hammered by a local college team, by the way, that's a terrible <laughs> idea. <laughs> it's the first thing that came to mind, um, which I agree. I, I don't think that would be fun. That's for a one time thing. And then the three month hospital stint in between, right? <laughs> yeah, oh, absolutely. But like, um, there's a company, uh, SOS, I don't even know if they list, SOS Heating and Cooling. They are based out of Omaha, Nebraska. 
and they signed um, – I don't remember what it's called in college football where it's like one of those promotional contract things with college players that's allowed now. Yeah, it's an endorsement of sorts. Yeah, and there's a guy on um, – that plays for Nebraska. His name's DeColdis Crawford. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. DeColdis, yeah, yeah. And exactly so, I've seen guys. Yeah, it's like we're, we offered DeColdis AC service in Omaha, like, and it just blew up. And, I mean, that's maybe not so much a, a good example, but. I think that's a great example, to be honest. Yeah. Like, they just took advantage of an opportunity to be different and stick out. Now, that's not necessarily USP. That's not necessarily personality. But if you saw those commercials, they have personality behind it. Yeah. Um, I always, I always, that's a good example of just taking advantage of an opportunity, right? Yeah. Um, but what I would say is, like, in general, athletes are not great endorsers, right? <laughs> and the reason is, like, you know, uh, George Brazil here in town, and I'm not knocking George Brazil anyway, obviously, uh, a brilliant, successful business, uh, second largest here in Phoenix. Um, and uh, they used to do a endorsement with Steve Nash, right? And everybody knows Steve Nash, and in Phoenix, Steve Nash is like a hero. But here's the problem with Steve Nash. No one really knows shit about Steve Nash except for basketball, right? Mm-hmm. We don't know his opinions. We don't know what drives him. And we don't have any trust in Steve Nash for an endorser of air conditioning and plumbing, right? It's not relevant. It'd be way more effective to take the local radio guy that they listen to four hours a day that talks about Steve Nash and his son, but they trust his opinion. And they know what he thinks and they know what he's about. That's actually a much cheaper and much more effective endorser. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, that's totally off topic. I'm going to a tangent here, but yeah. Yeah. All right. I, I want to I'm gonna, I'm gonna give an idea that I've used in the past or I've recommended okay. for, for contractors in the past. And I just want to know what you think about this because this is definitely like the definition of low cost, no cost. What if I tear it apart right on your podcast? With that, that's fine. No, it's totally fine. Um, <laughs> I, I, I like I like to try to throw out some some freebies for those. Um, uh, and so, if this sucks, it sucks. Don't do it. If it's good, well, then listeners, you're in luck because this is free. Um, I've always been a fan of like if you want to find a USP, you know, without doing going through all the hoops of the, the personas and all that stuff just go into your Google reviews and seeing what other customers have said about you and just basing it off that. So you, want my, you want my opinion is that, on that? Is, is that good advice or is that crap? It's not, it's mediocre advice. I'm just being, I'm just being blunt. Yeah. Right. Because, because there's, there's two faces to every company, right? There's the company you think you are and the co- company, the customer thinks you are. Yeah. Right. Uh, and sometimes the third one, which is the company your team members think you are like, and those don't have to be the same thing. Yeah. Now, should they be the same thing? A hundred percent. So I think those reviews are really valuable for, cause they'll tell you what a customer thinks you are now. Right. But should I build a story based off what my customers think now? I had no control over that. I yeah. didn't influence that. That's just what happened. Right. And when it just happens, it's usually not the ideal. Yeah. So it's a good starting point to understand where you're at, but I wouldn't necessarily drive off that. Could I drive off that? If it was a really good story and it was aligned with what I want to do and what I want to achieve and the team members I have and my personality, then yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, but I think you'll find most of the time what, if you were to ask a, a business owner, like, 
tell me, tell me like, what's your business? Like, why are you different? What's your important? They'll tell this story. And then you ask a team member, they have a totally different story. And you ask a customer, it's not even remotely the same story. Right. Yeah. Um, so all those things should be aligned. And if you're going to be really successful at marketing, they need to be aligned. Right. The customers have to know what you stand for. They don't get to make decision on what you stand for. Right. Yeah. And that's dangerous because they can decide whatever the hell they want. Um, so I don't think it's a, I think it's a poor idea, but just to understand like that's what you are now, yeah. but it doesn't have to be what you are going to be. Yeah. Can it be for sure? If you really love that and that's uh, moving in the same direction you are, but I think you'll find that's rarely the case. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm just curious. Cause like I, I've always thought that there would be like little nuggets of gold within your reviews of like, Oh, they're for sure. That's like what the, people think of you. Yeah. Right. And that's yeah. super valuable to know. Right. Yeah. Uh, and that can be good and bad. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like, it, cause we, we see a lot of reviews come through and like, you'll see some, they'll be like, Oh, you know, Doug was so cute. It's like, okay, we're not, maybe we make a calendar with Doug and <laughs> give it to every customer or I don't know, but, um, but I, I feel like there is, you know, yeah, I don't think you, you base an entire USP around it, but there's definitely some value in there for like just understanding. understanding where to start. Right. right. It's just like hitting your customer base, right? Like doing that study of your customer base. That's what you are now. And you can choose to lean into that, but it really should be a choice, not an accident. Right. Um, sometimes you do those studies and it's like, holy shit, these are the wrong customers. Yeah. I need to adjust. Um, most of the time it's, it's like, okay, it's not an ideal customer, but it's close to it. Let's shift slightly. Um, sometimes it's a total 180. Sometimes it's like, yeah, holy shit. That's exactly who we want to target. How do we lean further into it? Um, it's a great starting point and indicator, but like, it's your business. You should decide. And now there's a lot to making this the truth, right? Uh, but you should decide who you want to be and what you stand for and what your team stands for and what the business stands for. Um, you shouldn't let some random person on the internet decide that for you. Yeah. I agree. I mean, it's true, right? I mean, no, no, 100%. I mean, and so like you said, you you know, you ask the customer, you ask yourself, you ask a teammate, you might get something different for all three. Um, What are some exercises, you know, without giving away a playbook or going too deep into detail? Like what are some just basic exercises that someone could do with their team to kind of find out like what makes us different rather than 24 seven amazing service? Yeah, I mean, so I don't really, I, number one, I don't mind giving playbooks. We can give away whatever we need to make this effective for them and make this valuable. Um, but I don't have like a set playbook, right? Like first, first thing first, everybody should have read the book, Know Your Why. I think that's a great starting point to help understand what you're about and apply that to your business, right? Um, but I think it's really that conversation, like why, why would customer choose us? There's three names on a, on a piece of paper or on a Google search. Why, why us? And it can't be like the answer almost inevitably will be those generic answers. Like, well, it's because we do great quality work. Yeah. But do we? Like, are we above and beyond everyone else? And that's true. Do we get credit for that? But how do we say that? Because we can't say great quality work because everybody and their mother says that no one I mean, very few companies go out there trying to cut corners, right? 
Yeah. It, it just happens over time or accidents or whatever, right? But like we're the high, we're the you know highest trained technicians in town. Like that's a quality play, but you better live it, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I don't know, man. Like it's creating USP and going through the process, it's just a thought and a little bit of effort that most people don't spend the time and money and effort to do. But it's, it's the question is like, why would they choose us, right? And just hammer that until you've come with something that's really succinct, uh, succinct, that's easy to explain, that's easy to show, and that everyone can, can rally around. And it doesn't have to be this world mind-breaking thing, right? Like highest, you know, highest trained technicians in town. That's a solid USP. That's great. You don't have to be like, we're ending world hunger. I mean, but, but honestly, you can do that too, right? Like Tom's shoes, right? Like we give a shoe to every time you buy a shoe, we donate a shoe in Africa, which isn't even good, by the way. It's like a terrible, uh, it's a solid USB. It's terrible for African economy. Like, I don't know if you've done the, the research on that, but like it was unbelievably bad and Africans hate it. Right. Um, but it's a really solid USB and people went freaking nuts for it. And Tom's yeah. shoes is like a huge business, all because of a, a simple marketing play. Yeah. It's not a charity play, it's a marketing play. Yeah. That's good stuff. Well, we're at 32, 32 minutes right now. I know that people stop drop they they just drop off like flies at the about the 30, <laughs> 31 minute mark. Um, so is there anything we haven't covered yet that we want to chat about before we start wrapping up? I mean, there's so much we haven't covered yet, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, I would say the biggest thing and where we're harping on, and there's lots of conversations we can have, right? But if you really want to be solid marketing, there's really only, there's only a few things you have to do really well. Number one is you track and report effectively. So you know what's working, what's not working. So you can make decisions off it. Uh, number two is you have to plan ahead, like put together a content schedule. Anytime you write something last minute, you're going to get last minute results. So planning ahead is super important. Um, number three is develop a personality, a story, a USP, like be different, unique. Uh, and number four, only do things where you feel like you could dominate. Don't be the smallest voice on the radio station. That's a waste of your time, money, and effort. You need to go places where you feel like you could actually gain traction and win in that area. And sometimes that means cutting down to small time frames. Sometimes it means small areas. Sometimes it means I dominate a tiny radio station, right? All these are fine, but uh, you have to work your way up and make sure you're always dominating. If you do those four things consistently without fail, marketing will work. Uh, just the reporting and tracking alone, you'll figure out real quick what, what is working and what not working. And you won't keep spending money on something that's not working. Not necessarily that the system doesn't work, but you won't do it the exact same way you're doing it now. Yeah. I got a quick question for you. This yeah. is um, just, I mean, I know a lot, all of our listeners are contractors and you are a marketer. I'm a marketer. I'm on the agency side. Um, I'm more of an operations guy now than a marketer. I have been for a long time, but I certainly I come with a pretty serious marketing pedigree for a yeah. contract. Yeah. I'm just saying like, I, I really appreciate your, your, you know, your perspective on this and I definitely respect it for sure. Um, when it comes to marketing companies. Yeah. Like, and you know, cause you said the number one thing is like tracking and reporting and there has to be, like you mentioned earlier, the marketing company or your partner's got to deliver that conversion. Um, 
but part of that has got to be like there's got to be check-in there has to be some yeah, type of, of camaraderie there has to be some type of like true partnership working together type of thing what's your advice for contractors out there in regards to like working with your marketing partner? Okay. So when you say marketing partner, most people hear digital marketing, right? But there's lots of different types of marketing partners. Yeah. So really it's a combination of a few things. And what's up? I'll give away a playbook for free. I'll give away a playbook for free too. So um, uh, hit me up, just go to, uh, let me think about If I give you a link, will you put it in the show notes? Will that work? Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'll give a I'll give a sheet on how to drive your digital marketing team. I think a lot of people love that shit. And like they only even speak the same language as a digital marketing team. So yeah. like it really empowers them. Um, but anyway, <clears throat> there's only a few things you have to do, right? Number one, I don't care whether you use Rival Digital or a thousand other digital marketing companies or marketing companies in general or vendors or whatever. If you give them the money and walk away, you can expect subpar results. It's just a fact. Like you can't, there's no one as qualified about your business as you. Yeah. You have to be involved in the process. Marketing is such an important piece of the business. There is no world where you pay a sum of money. And and I've heard this so many times. I pay them so much money they should figure out, like, no, you're paying them so much money, you should make sure it works. Yeah. Right. So um you have to be in constant communication with them. The more a better that you communicate and work with that marketing company, the more effective you can help them be. It's not like a one-sided conversation. It should never be a one-sided conversation. Yeah. Number two, always be really cautious of a company that doesn't give good reporting. Good reporting is the basics of marketing. Like marketing is not an art. It's a science. Mm -hmm. Like there are artistic things involved with it, right? But did it work? Yes or no. What was my cost per acquisition? Was it high? Was it low? Can we drive it lower? Basic math, right? So always be careful. Number one, most companies provide reporting, but some give you some bullshit metrics and some give you numbers that are deceptive, right? Make sure to ask the questions, okay, what is a lead in this situation, right? Uh, and then check it with your CRM too or your field management system. Like they tell you they brought in 300 phone calls and then you look at service Titan and you've only got 80. Oh, shit. What's going on? Like where yeah. the other 220 go? Yeah. And this happens way more often than you think, right? Mm -hmm. So the third thing is always like trust but verify, right? Like, and by the way, a good digital marketing company, that conversation, you go to the conversation and you said 300, here's your recorded line. I get it. I only get an 80 in service Titan. What's going on? Where are we screwing up? Where are you screwing up? Something's wrong. And a lot of times this can be bridged with a good company because they'll figure it out and they'll work on the details and they'll make you more successful, right? Yeah. Uh, a good digital marketing company doesn't just give you the phone calls. They track and make sure you actually did business with them mm -hmm. and you actually got a return. You know, they don't say, oh, well, I, I made your phone ring. Your problem now, right? That's yeah. not how a good company works. That's not yeah. how you would work, right? You, you should expect more from them, especially for the sum of money that we're doing. So just list three things, like yeah. someone you actually work well with and communicate with, and communicate regularly with solid reporting and you know check but verify hold them accountable um yeah. for everything right like and and there's a whole bunch of other stuff like you should be doing a b testing and lean modeling and you should be involved in that whole process don't just give it to them and walk away um but the reason i think so many people struggle with a marketing company 
is because it's this black hole where they give money and they hope money comes back out, but they're not even aware if it came if it came back out. Yeah. And sometimes, like I've been real conversations, like we're gonna let this team go. I go, okay, let me look at the metrics. It's like, but your cost per acquisition is forty five dollars. Like, yeah, what do you mean? <laughs> it's like, yeah. wait, wait, wait. So just so you're aware, it costs you forty five dollars to get a new customer to call you and book a call with you. Uh, whether that's a tune-up or an install, that's a mix, right? Yeah. Like, that's pretty fucking good. Yeah. Why do we want to cancel? It's like, oh, I never looked at that. I just felt like I wasn't getting enough calls. I'm like, well, yeah. feeling is not a good way to run a business. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you on that. I mean, um, yeah, if you're getting, you know, and there's been times where I've met with contractors who have been like, I, I, I want to switch. I'm like, start playing doctor, you know, what's hurting, you know, is it your tummy? Is it your head? What's wrong? And I've talked him out of it. Cause I'm like, dude, you're ranking really well based on what yeah. I've seen. Your cost per acquisition is nice. You got, you know, conversion rates. Good. Why are you switching? Well, I just, it, it's just, you know, maybe they just, so what have you done for me lately? Business, but like yeah. a lot of this communication is like, well, my board's not full. I was like, well, did you tell them that? Yeah. <laughs> well, no, but they should just, how would they know? Yeah. <laughs> like, like, like if your cost per acquisition is really good, but your board's not full, why don't you tell them I need more calls? Why can we spend more? Can we update? Or like, I'm okay with a higher cost per acquisition. I just need to fill the board. Right. Yeah. If that conversation never happens, then that's entirely on you. Not that marketing company. Yeah. How, they can't make you, they, they, they're not in your call center. They're just not. So uh, you have to, you have to keep them informed. Yeah. And I'll paint a picture too, for our listeners, just to understand like the, the possibility, if you work truly work with your marketing company or whoever it is, we have a client and he's a listener of this show and he know, he'll know who he is. He'll, he texted me one morning. Uh, it was actually last Monday. And he was like, we need calls. You know, what do these campaigns look like? Go into service Titan. Cause it's all tied together with his Google ads. We say, Hey, look, this, this in particular campaign, it generated $22,000 last week. It spent about 800 bucks. Oh, perfect. Let's, you know, that's a good campaign. That's a decent return. And it's like, how, what, what does this look like? What does that look like? And you could just say, you put in 800, you got 22,000 on this particular campaign. This campaign, we put in a thousand, we generated 600 bucks. That was not a good campaign. You know, why didn't that work? Why is this one working? And then you can kind of go from there. Yeah. And the conversation too is like, we put in 800 bucks. Can we put 2000 into that campaign? Right. And maybe that affects the metrics, right? Maybe yeah. we're getting all the low hanging fruit already. Maybe not. Yeah. That conversation has to happen. Exactly. And, and so, yeah, I definitely recommend, I know this is definitely a kind of a side tangent from our original <laughs> topic here, but I, I think it's just so important because, you know, I, I see it, you know, even, even with us, sometimes people will say like, Oh, you know, just, they're not showing up to meetings. They're not showing up to meetings. They never answer our phone calls. And then they're like, I, uh, I need this, that, and the other by tomorrow. I'm like, dude, we haven't heard from you in three months. And you know, now you want to do all this stuff. So it's got to be a true partnership for sure. Yeah. I mean, it certainly works better for everyone. Yeah. But that's not just a marketing. Like you should be doing that with your distributor, with all your vendors. Like no one wants to work with a number. Right. And, and that, that goes both ways. Is like you, a lot of contractors treat their vendors like they would never accept that vendor treating them. Yeah. You know what I mean? like, like, 
there's no world where you don't reach out to them for three months and then say, Hey, I need all this stuff. Like that would never fly, yeah. but just cause they're paying you, like you're driving their business. It's, it, it's an, it's a two way street. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, all, all this, like you should be driving every single one of your team members, every single one of your vendors. And that's, that's a huge difference between, you know, a company that's average in marketing or average in sales or average in whatever. And the rest of us, right. Because like, we pay attention to that stuff and we drive it and we move the needle. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Josh, this has been a lot of fun. Listeners got two topics out of this conversation today. So yeah, accidentally. Yeah. You yeah. probably just, chop, <laughs> you could just chop it in half and make two episodes. Well, they all stopped time. listening after 31 minutes. He said, so they missed the whole second thing. You know? Yeah. They, they, they missed the, the true gold in this episode. Ah, bummer. Well, Josh, thank you again for joining me on the show uh, again. And um, what's a good way for our listeners to uh, reach out and connect with you? Honestly, um, I mean, you can always call in. You can go to growwithclover.com or you can just shoot me an email. I'll give out my personal email. Uh, I will warn you, my team goes through my email too. So so uh, they're pretty quick at responding, but uh, I respond the best I can. It's just josh at growwithclover.com. And I'll make sure to, uh, right after this, Eric, I'll send you that link to, uh, to how to drive a digital marketing team so you can put in the show notes. Awesome. Well, Josh, thank you again for joining us and I hope you have a great rest of your day. All right, man. Appreciate you. Sir. Thanks for listening to the Smart HVAC Marketing Podcast, powered by Rival Digital, helping business owners and industry professionals across the country stay ahead of the curve in an ever-changing business landscape. We hope you learned something from this week's episode and don't forget to rate and review this podcast. Thanks again for listening to the Smart HVAC Marketing Podcast.